I don't think we've met before, but I'm the referee on this field. Leinster could have me five mil a year, I wouldn't go. It is coming home! Robbie, Robbie, weekly. Little reverse pass, and Hello and welcome to the 42 Rugby Weekly. Hope everyone's enjoying the nice weather and a little bit more freedom. Murray Kinsler here. We are missing Gavin Casey today, unfortunately, but I'm joined, as always, by Bernard Jackman. How are you, Birch? Good, thanks, Murray. Have you got out for a, a pint and outdoor dinner yet? No, but it's uh, I'm, I'm planning and scheming, so uh, probably next week. Probably next week. I just need to get a, a bit of a crew and, and find a booking, but I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, they're few and far between the bookings now, in fairness, but it is nice seeing people around <laughs> with a smile on their face. It's summertime again. Some of the rugby saw last weekend was proper summer rugby, and I suppose that's what you get when the, there's not a huge amount on the line in terms of competition. Unfortunately, this weekend, that's going to be the case as well, Birch. Just briefly, Benetton are into the, the Rainbow Cup final. We got a question on your Twitter, actually. Someone asked uh, who would win a match between Benetton and the Crusaders. Uh, that was from Ronan Cunningham. What do you reckon? Uh, yeah, I don't. Think, I think he was being sarcastic, but uh, I, I think the Crusaders would have favourites for that. Um, and, and look at the Benetton on their day. You know, uh, the big the big problem for Benetton was their their, their season, the regular season form. They just um, you know deteriorated so so much from what they were doing two years ago and, and three seasons ago. I think they can play. Um, but obviously have been fortuitous in terms of the, the structure of this Rainbow Cup and obviously playing Zebra twice um, and now getting a, um, a walkover effectively. Uh, it's yeah, it's really blown up in the face of the organisers. You know, it was always going to be difficult to, to try and get um, a fair fixture list, but certainly, um, you know, the Irish teams having to play each other, um, you know, were, were hampered, hampered from that point of view. So, but look at... It is something different. Maybe it can be. We're always looking for ways to boost Italian rugby and to have the more competitive. Um, so I'm sure it'll be a big deal in um, in Italian rugby circles, uh, and potentially that would be the benefit from it. That you know they will will get stronger, get a bit more confidence, and next year be a, a bit of a force again. Because I mean, this year not winning a game in in the regular season, if I'm correct. Um, I mean that's that's a poor reflection of the of the quality they have. Yeah, absolutely. Um... A tricky one for the broadcasters, probably not what they imagined, but as you say, let's hope it's a stepping stone for Italian rugby, a home final, probably missing a few Springboks, whichever team comes over to to play that final in Italy as well. And they've had a couple of good results. They hammered Glasgow, they beat Connacht, obviously, very recently, um, and fair play to them, I suppose, for turning it around. The likes of Munster will have regrets. Obviously, losing at home to Connacht is, is the big one there. It felt like an opportunity for them, but... It does feel like a bit of a fitting end to what has been a weird little Rainbow Cup kind of segue at the end of the end of the season. But listen, we want to talk about the provinces. We've got loads of questions to get into, but basically we're going to review their seasons, Birch, and, and have a look back and also at where they stand now going into a summer after the longest, weirdest season ever. I want to start with Leinster, who obviously they won the Pro 14 again, but a, a Champions Cup semi-final exit. Um, how do you think they'll reflect on this campaign? I think they'll be... Disappointed, to be honest. Um, I think they particularly how they've you know put the last two or three, the last two months. Um, so since since La Rochelle before La Rochelle, obviously just you know they rested players for that La Rochelle game against Munster, and by losing that, they were always going to be on the on the back foot for this competition. Um, and obviously not getting a bonus point at home to Ulster 
Um, you know, Mendo was always going to be difficult. Or they'd be very frustrated with how they played against Glasgow, I think, at the weekend, and they just looked tired and and fatigued. And um, just I'd say that there's probably no team. I think they probably looked after themselves the best in COVID. You know, they they got going quickly. Um, they trained incredibly hard. Um, not that others didn't, but I think they really pushed pushed on in COVID within the restrictions. Um, came out of the blocks flying. Apart from that, obviously Saracens game where. Um, you know they they got caught uh, their pants down around around the scrum, um, but won two trophies this year. Um, but yeah, I don't, I don't, I I think there'll be a little bit of regret in terms of they haven't really found two or three new names. I mean, we knew about Ryan Baird last year. We knew about Hugh Keenan last year. Now they've they've kicked on again, but we knew about Scott Penny last year. But probably, and this is maybe the worry for Leinster when you look at the. Well, it's obviously only friendly games that Richie Murphy's picked under twenty sides for um, so far. But it's not Leinster aren't dominating the selection at Irish under twenties level like they maybe were previous years. Their A team, you know, have lost uh, have lost a few times to Ulster. Um, don't I've lost watched some of those games on stream. Don't look to be as strong maybe as pre previous teams. So. Um, and obviously, then they're you know they're losing Scott Fardy. Obviously, they replaced Michael Bent with with Alatoa. Um, I think Alatoa will do well to have the same impact as Michael Bent. Um, and obviously, it's in a position where they have Andrew Porter and and Tyke Furlong. So, okay, they've got a third choice tight head who's good quality, but um, is that going to help them beat you know the Toulouses or the Rassings or the Saracens or the Larishels, etc.? Saracens won't be there next year, but th- those type of teams, the Exeters. Um, and you know, Fardy moving on, uh, and you know, there's no outside replacement coming in to um, to add to it. So yeah, I, I think Leinster will be looking forward for the break, and, and I think they need to refine how they play. Um, I think that'll be that'll be something they, they look at this summer. Uh, you heard Scott Fardy this week. I think it was on the 42 talk about they feel teams can slow the pace of the game down, and that was always one of the things they tried to impose on the opposition and play really high tempo, really high ball and play time and back their fitness. If the if the conditions and how the game has been refereed aren't allowing them to use that, well, they're going to have to find a different way of uh, of doing things. So I'm excited to see if they can um, find another edge uh, and come back in September, um, you know, better. But you would still worry personnel-wise, have they that, you know, have they that quality um, to go win, go win in Europe, and 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 you know I still think they're very reliant on Johnny, and obviously he's playing on, which is great. But you know I think Keen, Keen Healy, um, you know and Johnny, uh, you know eventually the time will catch up on them, and, and um, you know unless they move Andrew Porter across, you know have they someone who can have the same impact as Keen Healy over the next five or six years, um, and likewise you know they've got obviously Ross and Harry. Um, who are very promising, um, but they still have to step up and show there's there's influence uh, Sexton. So yeah, I, I think it's it's one of those ones where they'll be happy to get dragons out of the way Friday night, get their holiday, uh, hope their lines come back fit, but also evolve their their game plan, um, which I think yeah could do with a, a bit of a sprucing up, and, and they they'll know that better than anybody. Yeah, no better man than Stuart Lancaster to go away and study how the game is going and where it's going next and do a bit of critical thinking. That's what he he loves to do and thrives on. You've kind of touched on quite a few of my, my notes here, and I, I want to bring you back to a few of those different topics you've touched on. We got a question from David Houston on Twitter. 
He said, do Leinster have to sign a heavy hitting lock to get the fifth star? They're knocking on the door, but of late we hit a wall at semi-final or final. Like just to run through, as you say there, Scott Fardy is leaving. Dev Toner is actually going to stick around um, after all. You have James Ryan there, Ross Maloney, Ryan Baird, as you mentioned, Jack Dunn, who's been injured more recently, but he is a, a big unit. And then you have Charlie Ryan and Brian Deeney. They're going into year three of the academy, so probably will feature a little bit more. How do you think they adjust their Birch, because as as things stand, we haven't heard there's a, a big heavy duty lock coming in. Yeah, I don't think so. I don't think there is. I think they obviously would have a space in terms of non Irish qualified, um, with Gibson Park and James Lowe being uh, uh, you know Irish qualified now. So they would have a space. I'd say it's probably finance to be honest. Um, that that's stopping them. And, and again, I don't know. Is there the same flexibility? You know, uh, to bring in private funding. Is that private funding available at the moment? Um, to go and get that you know different type of profile, like I, I think, um, I think we really need to see Ryan Baird become a starter, um, and uh, a starter as a lock, and let him and James Ryan you know build up a a, a relationship. Uh, like they're not Bodum, Bodum are, are probably they hit bigger than they are really. I know Ryan Baird's a bit, they're both big men, but they they both can. Uh, can win collisions. Um, I just feel that uh, I feel that it's, very, it's a big task for James Ryan on his own um, in the second row when you play those big teams in Europe to to be the enforcer. Um, so I would like to see Ryan Baird um, be given his um, his wings as such and just let him play. You know, start every week with with Ryan with James Ryan for those uh, for those bigger games that both that the internationals are are available in and let him continue to develop. He's shown. He only has athleticism. Let's be honest. I mean, everyone, you know, if you ask or listen to the people talking about what Lancer need to sign, bar Will Skelton's name, not many other people have alternatives. Do you know what I mean? So that that profile is not really plentiful. It's not like they're in every premiership club, every club in France. So it is a difficult one. I mean, uh, they're not growing on trees. And and so unless you found somebody uh, out there, you know, RG Snyman is that type of profile, to be honest. Again, but he's one of a handful um, in in the world, and most of them aren't off contract. So I can totally understand why Leinster haven't found that that player. Uh, do I disagree that they could do with him? No, I don't. I think they could, but when because I think that's not likely to happen this this year. I would love to see Ryan Baird, and I'm not saying he's been held back by any manner of means. I mean, he's you know he, Leinster have done a good job in developing him. He's had plenty of game time, um, but I I certainly would like to see him. You know, start every week in, in the second row with James Ryan and let them de- develop a, a Dunico Callahan, Paul O'Connell type relationship where they have the potential to be starters for Leinster in Ireland. And obviously, there's other locks out there who, who you know, would have something to say about that. But just from a Leinster point of view, I think that's your your age profile with the two of them is phenomenal. Your athleticism with both of them is phenomenal. And uh, yeah, it's, it's a good starting point. You know, I don't think many teams in Europe would have two locks as athletic as those um, starting. Yeah, you're you're kind of looking at James Ryan being that tight headlock, which he was, I suppose, at the start. He was always just scrummaging there, and a lot of the stuff he's good at doing around the pitch are, yeah. are, are those kind of duties. He obviously struggles to keep the weight on himself uh, as things stand, so it'll be a tough ask to ask for even more. And when he's away in Ireland, I do think Jack Dunn has a guy who has potential to be that kind of player for them. He's a guy who's put on a lot of mass. You see him, I, I know he's been injured, but you see him at games and he's a big unit um, with lots of potential. Obviously a smart head on on his shoulders as well, so... As always, Leinster are going to try and adjust from within. The other one I wanted to pick up on again is, is Johnny Sexton. Like, 
much discussed. He is the captain, he's the leader, um, but he's obviously getting on in years. Like, how do you see them? Like, if we're looking at solutions here, how do you see them managing that now? Ross Burns obviously starts some big games. Harry Burns there, seen as a future prospect. You're Frawley, Tim Corkery, Hawkshaw, capable of playing 10. What, what's the planning like for that next season? Oh, look, I think next season the plan will be around Leinster trying to win Europe. I mean, that's, I think that's where they judge themselves on. And that's, it's very important, I think, for our trophy that we have provinces who, who can win European um, trophies. And at the moment, Leinster look the, the best equipped to do that. Um, and I think Johnny will still be number one for, for Leinster next year. Um, and possibly he's the number one for Ireland and potentially then, you know, sign a new contract and go, go to the World Cup. I mean, I don't think that's, uh, that's completely out of the question yet. But signing the one year, it, it kind of gives them a shorter term focus. And, um, you know, it obviously took the pressure off the IRFU to, to make a hard decision as well. So I, I can still see Johnny be number one. And, but I do think that the way Leo manages it uh, and Stuart manages it, that they, the others will get opportunities to uh, to continue to have, you know, um, shots at replacing them. But... To be honest, I I just think, and again, it's hard. People find it hard to understand. I think is is that when Johnny plays, the the influence um, he has on everybody is is far greater than every time he touches the ball. And but let's not forget, he didn't play in La Rochelle, you know. And and even though Leinster got dominated up front, um, I still, and maybe I'm naive in this. I think the game would have been a lot more of a contest if Johnny had played because um, you know Leinster didn't really show great tactical um, flexibility. Um, I don't think they implemented the plan they would have had going into it. And that's, you know, that's not down to Ross on his own or whatever. But I think Johnny has that ability to to make everybody else better. And yeah, I, I still see him being number one, um, to be honest, all next season. I think I think if Leinster are going to win a European Cup, he, he he's going to have to have a big role to play, to be honest. I think if he was injured for next year's European Cup, I, I can't see Leinster win, it, um, to be honest. Yeah, his influence is, is still, uh, it's extraordinary, really. Um, and the loose head one, I just wanted to bring you back to as well, Keen Healy's successor. Like, I think he'd probably admit himself it wasn't his greatest season. He's still performing at a high level, but maybe slowed down a little bit. And that can just be a a, a temporary thing, like all sorts of things going on. People's lives have been a strange, tricky season for everyone. And maybe he'll bounce back really strongly next season Ed Byrne and Dooley have been kind of vying there and, th- and now Michael Milne's being promoted up from the academy you have Marcus Hannon going into the academy do you see a, a long-term successor there or do you feel still that Porter is the one who should be switched over yeah I think Dooley like Dooley and, and Ed Byrne have a huge amount to offer um, but I, I think if you're looking for um, world-class loose head um, it's Porter it's Porter and, and look it's very hard because He's obviously the long term. Well, he's obviously you know good enough on his own right as a tight head to go on a line tour. So, mm. um, but if you if you want to get your best fifteen on the field, um, I think a front row of Port. Sorry, obviously I'm talking about post Healy, um, but a, a front row of Porter, Kelleher, and Furlong is Leinster's most dominant uh, pack physically, and that's. That could maybe wait. That could make up maybe for for not having you know the RG Slime and Will Skelton type second row. Um, if you if you can add another um, you know big collision winner uh, to your starting team, and and Healy Healy like could bounce back. Yeah. You know he, he you know he, he he's well okay, but he's done it four times in his career. So if Keane gets back to that level, well then I can totally understand why 
you would you would have Porter coming on um, at tight head. But I, I just think, and it's no disrespect to the lad, to, to Ed and and um, and Dooley, etc. But um, you know those world class props. They again they're very hard to find. And Leinster found two two on the tight head side, and Keane. Keen at his best is world class and has been. Um, and if he bounces back to that, then they're fine. But if he's not, if he struggles with injury and form, um, I think Leinster with Porter on the loose side are, are a better a better team. Fascinating to see what, what happens. Um, there's a little bit more movement. Keen Keller's off to Ealing Trail Finders. He actually had a, a good season, I thought. Um, but Leinster will hope to have Adam Byrne back, Andrew Smith, Comerford, Max O'Reilly potentially stepping up a little bit more. And then they're switching scrum halves with Munster. Rowan Osborne is going down there and Nick McCarthy's coming back up. There have been a number of younger guys or fringe guys who have stepped up. I think Jamie Osborne from Nace is a really exciting one. Looks physically well capable of playing at the top level. Dan Sheehan, obviously. And then the back row, you had Scott Penny being really consistent, as well as Josh Murphy. I thought he was ultra-physical this season and, and really stepped up. We got a question from Paul Kenny and it's kind of a... An evergreen question. He says, Leinster back rows, what's the odds on any of them moving this summer? Because that depth chart, Birch, is still pretty deep. <laughs> yeah, it is very strong. And, and we saw someone like uh, Will Hickey, you know, who was an unbelievably good schoolboy, um, you know, come into the sub-academy in Leinster. And, and it was pretty clear they weren't going to take any back rows. We, we've seen someone like Keane Prendergast, you know, who was in that Leinster sub-academy, um, but couldn't get into the academy. He went to Connacht. I think he's been really impressive in the last... Two, he's been impressive all year, but particularly last uh, three or four games. Um, I think, you know, he's he's, show, he's someone actually for... A, a guy who doesn't look very big um, is very effective uh, in getting over the game line. So, but yeah, so, like, there's a depth underneath that, again, um, uh, which is becoming very difficult to break through. Um, but, uh, yeah, it's really weird, actually. It's the first probably year I haven't heard a big kind of strategic move or drive to move Leinster players out. Um, <clears throat> maybe that's because of COVID or, or whatever, but um, yeah, there's been no talk. Don't forget Deegan's got to come back from, from injury and he's, you know, he's a really exciting player. Um, we know now what Doris, Doris is, is up end uh, back row. Penny's taking every chance uh, he's had. Um, yeah, Leinster, that's obviously Leinster's strongest position. Just on, yeah, like the one that I think you mentioned there, Jamie Osborne, if if I speak to anybody involved in Leinster pathways, um, and and speak to the player uh, players and coaches in the senior squad, he's the one that I think has that extra extra bit, you know, that could go from from Nace to to playing for Ireland. Um, and 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 those guys, um, like they only come along. Well, like Leinster produce one a year pretty much for for a long time. But in general, in general, they're like they do stick out like sore thumbs when they're in and around their own age grade. And um, he's definitely someone that is being earmarked to go up and, you know, make, an inf- make a difference quickly. Whereas probably, you know, there's other players and it's a, it's a slow and gradual thing, you know. So they, they do their three years in the academy and then they come out and then they, they start to get game time off the bench. And by the time of 24, 25, they can be really good players but um, and really, you know, effective and kind of great careers. But I think, you know, the Ryan Baird... Um, you know, the, the Ronan Kellers, the, the Dan Sheens, to be honest. Um, you know, you hear about them a bit earlier and and they very they unless injury prevents it, um, they come true. So I think Osborne's the one to look out for. I would say, and this is probably 
a bit controversial, but I think there's a huge focus on Leinster needing that big lock. Um, I think they could do with a, a, another very good nine, to be honest. Uh, um, and that's not a slight on, on Luke or, or Gibson Park, but um, I think that, and Nick McCarty's obviously coming back, but I think you're going to lose one of those to, to international duties. Um, you know, we've seen Gibson Park this year getting in ahead of, ahead of Luke. Um, I don't think that it would be a bad thing for Leinster to have another top end nine um, who could play. Like, let's be honest. Okay, I'm, I'm thinking ahead here. Like, uh, if Leinster and evolve their game, um, it's okay. You can say they're not going to play that you know high ball and play time, or they can't control that as much as they potentially could at the end. Um, I still think they're going to have to play with tempo. Uh, I still think they're going to have to be unbelievably sharp around the breakdown in terms of moving the ball in space about putting people into holes because um, and, and again just use La Rochelle as an example or whatever but they can give the ball to someone um, like Bougerie or, or, or Skelton or, or, or Olivion or whatever you know behind the gain line and their power gets them back to the gain line and get, get through contact I think Leinster even with Porter and Tyke Furlong etc um, they're still going to be a lot better if they have a nine maybe a different profile to, to Luke um, and uh, and Nick, uh, more of a Gibson Park, but probably you know a few other strings to his bow, um, who could change the way they play. And again, I don't see it happening because obviously restrictions. But I do think that's the area that doesn't really get a huge amount of focus on. And I don't think Leinster are as strong in that area as as maybe you would think a team internationals um, are. And that's not that's, that's being hypercritical, but uh, I. I I think it would be it would give them better strength and depth for the knockout stages of Europe to have another top end nine. Hmm. I I agree. I think it's probably the one area where Leinster would love to produce a world class player of their own, top top level. Yeah. And there doesn't seem to be that in the pipeline. Interestingly, I sometimes wonder if Joey Carberry should have stayed at nine. I think he could have been really good there. A bit tall now, maybe, but uh, yeah, it's a fascinating one. I totally agree with you on, on Jamie Osborne. Like he looks physically like he's ready to go already at that level a product of the Leinster youths and a guy who came on and immediately on his debut smashed someone and just got on the ball and looked really composed. By all accounts, he's a, a very studious, diligent guy. His younger brother actually is supposed to be a very good player as well, but exciting to see that talent coming through and otherwise a pretty cohesive squad obviously moving forward and we know that that cohesion can, can be really important. They'll be, they'll be back challenging on all fronts again next season as we know. Munster, Birch, again, like what's your sense of their season? They didn't collect the silverware they were hoping to collect out in a weird Champions Cup obviously at the round of 16 and losing to Leinster a couple of times again how do you sum up their their campaign? Yeah I think it's been disappointing to be honest um, like I know this competition has been um, ridiculed uh, a little bit and justifiably so from you know for, for certain reasons but I, I did think it was really important for Munster to, to go and at least get to a final and, and potentially win it. Um, uh, they, you know, they responded really well to having, you know, having been um, beaten by Leinster quite a few times, particularly in the in the Pro 14 final. This the last one, um, uh, uh, Pro 12 final. Yeah, I don't know what it's called anymore. But uh, in the final, in the final that they played in the order, they didn't throw a, they didn't fire, they didn't fire a, a shot. And you know, obviously, a few weeks later, then they came to the RDS and and. 
were very physical, um, got in amongst Leinster, upset them. Now, let's be honest, Leinster had an eye on the week after, but they still did their job, they won. And then they took they took what looked like control of the of, of their own destiny. Um uh with obviously Connacht, Cardiff and Ulster um coming to coming to um uh, Toman Park. And Ulster set a second string, so that was that was ideal. And then Connacht losing to Connacht was a was a real blow to them because uh, I thought against Ulster they, they continued to be really physical. They looked to be dominant at the breakdown, um, and and then against Connacht, Connacht got amongst them, and they had no real plan B, and they got rattled. Uh, and then the Blues' performance, so Cardiff' performance was was so so as well, you know. So there wasn't a massive backlash, and obviously, you know, it looked like they had a chance to go to Zebra and still qualify if Treviso lost in. Uh, in Swansea, but that's been taken away from them now. So I think that they, you know, Orgy Steinman would add to them. I don't think Jenkins Jenkins would add to them, but he's not a he's not a game changer, you know. And they're losing CJ. Um, Craig Casey's come true, so they've got two good nines now. Um, you know, Joey's back, which is which is great, and obviously he's been he's been managed pretty well in terms of his um, his game time, and he's looked he's looked really good. Um, you know they've got good depth, but like I think the the Zebo's coming in as well, which is which is good. But you know I said it I think last week when you take Cronin, um, CJ, uh, Billy Holland, uh, Reese Marshall, uh, Sweetman, JJ out of that squad, um, and you're replacing with two players. I would have thought if you're going to do that, you needed to really find out more about the others, the youngsters, and I, I think they've been unbelievably conservative. Um, at the time so take for example the game against Connacht I think four to pack they played against Connacht aren't going to be there next year so um, and, that, and that's fine they wanted to beat Connacht but when you don't beat Connacht then and you, and you don't make a final and win silverware um, you know it's it's double jeopardy you, you've basically you've lost the opportunity to to move on those those other players like Knox and Sal- Salanoa haven't been given the game time um, that I think they should have being given uh, because we know what John Ryan and Stephen Archer can do. Um, the other two are still, you know, rough diamonds. Now Knox, <clears throat> Knox, in fairness to him, is probably a little bit further along, but he's he's playing rugby union a, a lot longer. Um, but maybe it's Alanoa who's the one who can make the difference. You know, in terms of being that real power athlete that everybody's so excited about. So um, yeah, you know, and I know injuries like Tom Ahern and stuff is. And Hodness have maybe, you know, been the reason why they haven't played at the back end of the season. But I think at the early stage of the season, um, and over the last couple of seasons, they've been very conservative. And now, because of cutbacks, they've had to chop their squad a little bit. And I don't have an issue with that. I, I think, you know, I, I think there was time to, to have a bit of a cut. Um, but they haven't really brought in the numbers they brought in, they need to bring in. And again, I think in terms of Hooker, and Loosehead, I think they're a little bit light now. Um, and, you know, if we, we spoke about Dooley and, and Burn for Leinster as backups to Keane Healy, um, uh, uh, they're a little bit, well, they are a long way further along in their, um, in their development in terms of minutes and games and years than, than Witcherly, um, uh, et cetera, and Liam O'Connor. And I, I think Liam O'Connor and Witcherly have looked, looked really good. I mean, I, I think there's loads of potential there, but, um, you know, once they're a team that we have to be aiming for European Cups and um, if, if, I, if I'm con- conscious that maybe Ed Byrne and Dooley 
you know, aren't of the level you need in a, in a semi-final or final um, to make an impact off the bench or whatever, well, then it'll be hard for Witchley and Liam O'Connor to do that. Mm. They're asking big questions of them. Yeah, lock them. Yeah. Yeah, in, the, in, in time. In time, absolutely. And I, I think they could. Um, but I just wonder, um, I just wonder, have they, you know, have they really got the squad next year um, to to go to another level? I'm not sure. Mm. Uh, James French being promoted from the academy loose head as well and, and Lockman so I mean they have the five loose heads but, but you're right I suppose there's an element of the unknown with it Josh Richley being the one probably with the highest potential we saw him against Clermont a powerful guy and that is a big thing like we just spoke about Leinster and Lock but the tight five power is something that's come up repeatedly with Munster and that's why it's probably so disappointing with Knox and Salanoa that they didn't see more game time. And I know Sal Noah had a few niggles, as you mentioned. They used 53 players across the course of the season, Munster, but the minutes probably weren't spread out as ideally as you, as you would have liked. They got a lot of development out of the likes of Casey, as you mentioned, huge amount of game time. Ben Healy, obviously, at out half doing the same, and they managed to keep him amidst that interest from Scotland. Gavin Coombs, like, he went to the next level, didn't he? And I thought Feneen Witcherly was kind of similar, a little bit quieter, or, you know, yeah. it's less obvious hit the impact he's making but it's 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 improved across the course of the game like with Coombs and with Stander leaving how do you feel they're they're set Birch to accommodate and adjust for that like Snyman comes back Jenkins come back or comes in do they have enough there to to adapt well, they have a very good team on, on on paper and and um I agree with you about Coombs and and, and Witchley um Hodden when we've seen him the, Casey when Casey when he's had his chance I mean the the probably frustrating thing for me is is that in fairness, nearly all the youngsters who got game time actually impressed, uh, but they didn't seem to get the reward of of getting a chance to back it up, you know, reasonably quickly or, or get a little run of games. And I mean, the, the best examples, and I keep, sorry to keep going back to Leinster, but like Ruddock, Josh Murphy, you know, when they play regularly, um, you, you see, you know, how how good they can be. And, um, and in fairness, I think Munster, yeah, they've, Playing 53 players is a, is a huge amount, but it's that it's that balance and consistency of of getting a run of games together, um, which I think those young players need. And then if you have to pull them out for for five weeks to to give them a conditioning block or or skill development block, I can understand that. It's just where it seems to be a little bit haphazard, and they're being thrown in and out. So yeah, look at they have a they have a good pack. Tommy Donald will miss. Um, not obviously this year he hasn't played a huge amount, but he, he he's a guy who's been a a great circle um, and influential in, in behind the scenes as well. Um, I think look at paper, Munster have a very good team. Uh, probably question marks around their. Def- well, sorry, I have question marks around their defence. Uh, I don't think they're um, they're hard to break down. Uh, and the most recent example is Cardiff. You know, um, Cardiff got got around them and and, and um, had them on the back foot so easily. Um, and that's something they're going to have to rectify. And then, how would you classify Munster, Munster's attack? I mean, have they got attacking identity that's um, clear um, and that you can see evolving? I, I think so. And I think one of the questions you had was, you know, Roundtree. Roundtree's had a, has Roundtree had a good influence. He has, you know, the Seppies. Think back to Claremont. Um, Drum is good. It just can give me a little bit. Um, it'll discipline sometimes and give away some some soft penalties in the wrong areas of the field, which they need to rectify. Um, but the pack do look to be better. 
Um, their breakdown for me is definitely better, um, even though against Connacht they got into a bit of trouble. But in general, the, la- the last three or four months the breakdowns look good. I just don't really know if their attack is is really firing yet um, at the level it needs to be. And maybe that's all down to Joey. Uh, Joey having a preseason and Joey being fit, the early doors will get to move. But that's probably the question mark for me. Well, I, have, I have a question mark around the defensive attack. So, yeah, it's not great. That is, um, that's funny because literally on, on my notes here, I have identity question mark. And that's, that was the big one I, I was going to bring you to. The question we actually got that you mentioned there is from John O'Gorman. He says, bar the scrum line out improvement under Graham Rountree, no idea or direction from the rest of the coaching ticket, he feels. Can we discuss that? And the identity thing, like that can be such a philosophical kind of bullshitty word, Bert. You obviously have to adapt to opposition and conditions and you've got to change things week to week. But it feels for me right now, like we see Munster the odd time, or actually quite regularly through the season, they'll have this kind of free-flowing game where they offload more, where they show their skill level, but then they'll get into the the heat of high-pressure contests where obviously you're not going to offload as much or use those skills as often. You've got to have an element of pragmatism there, but they don't look comfortable in that that moment where they need to push that pass or, or make that offload. Like, how does that reflect what they're doing on the training ground to me it almost looks like one week they're working on an offload focus and a and a more ambitious intentful attack and then they'll reel it in folks on box kicking even though someone like craig casey is not a kicking nine i know he's got to improve his individual skills but how how dedicated do you have to be on the training ground to actually fully implement a, a shift in style yeah i think you have to be fully into it and i think that's possibly um, the challenge and, and and let's talk about pre-Larkham so um, you know pre-Larkham I think we saw Johan's um, philosophy which is obviously a huge amount of uh, of contestables and you know really strong exits um, and kick focus and I think now obviously Larkham's been there what a, a year um, and there's been a sense of of evolving, evolving, um, etc. But I still think it's uh, the the DNA of of Johan's philosophy is, is on the team, and um, I think when they get under pressure, they go back to that. And I think, you know, I was in Tobin Park a couple of weeks ago for the Connacht game where they're chasing the game, and you know they went back to kicking contestables in the Connacht half, and um, and in fairness, like it's a strategy, and and, and it certainly can work. Um, but when Connor caught those um, caught those bombs and relief pressure themselves, Munster didn't really have a, a plan B, and, and and that sometimes you know it's very difficult when you have two diff- two philosophies mismatched together. And I'm not sure I'm not blaming anybody for this, but it, it's normal for a head coach who's who's coaching and not a DOR to you know have strong feelings around how he believes the game should be played, and, and sometimes. Um, you know, like how you kick and how often you kick is going to affect your attack. You know, like uh, likewise, how you defend is going to affect your attack and how you, uh, like what percentage you maul off the top, what, what trick plays you play is going to affect how you attack. So it's all interlinked. And I still think, I still think Munster is still trying to find that, you know, you know, Goldilocks porridge, the, the perfect mix. Um, and uh, I think it's, it's, it's a little bit, conflicted at the moment and again you know they're not together that long um obviously covid was was difficult uh and i, I think this preseason for them would be 
will be huge um, in terms of refining their game and hopefully having that identity. Like I would still say their identity is focused more around um, exits and kicking game than it is around ball in hand, despite the fact that we've seen, you know, some offloads and things like that. I, I think you have to um, you have to judge them when they come under a bit of pressure, what they go to. And uh, I still think there's there's work to be done there. That's look that's that's not a criticism, that's just where they're at, you know. Yeah. You mentioned JJ Hanron's exiting to to Claremont, exciting move for him, but it means the three Academy out halves step up, Healy, Crowley, Flannery, all onto senior contracts. Briefly, where do you see that tussle for for the place behind Joey going? Yeah, look, I think it's um, it's very exciting to, and it's very unfortunate for the three of them that they have um, three players with, with basically all the same age profile um, and uh, all, all very talented. Um, and this, this is really hard on Ben Healy because I think he's done phenomenally well and um, is very impressive uh, every time we see him. But I... I and it's based on old form and it's based on uh, reputation. Um, and it's basically based on his under-20 stuff. I, I still think Crowley has something I'd like to see more of, um, to be honest. Flannery's a, a very good operator as well. Um, but yeah, for me, Jake uh, Healy or Flannery may well be the best of them. Um, but until I see Crowley play three or four games at 10 at this level, I'm going to stick to my assumption that he's the best if, that, if that's fair and it's based on you know you know he's been injured and I don't he's been injured he's been with the sevens etc he played fullback I think the last you know two times off the bench he's come on a fullback um I would love to see him as a 10 getting a run of games and that may be when Joey's with Ireland next November um and uh just see how good he is and and if if he or Fanny are better than him well then you know they've got three fucking very good three very good tens yeah, absolutely. A nice um, headache to have and, and really exciting for the province as well to have three homegrown guys coming through with, with talent and ability to play in a, in a couple of different positions, as you mentioned. Last one from Munster. What is Zeebs going to add to the party? How big an impact do you think he's going to have, Birch? I think he'll have huge impact. I think um, in the dressing room, on the training field, that relax, that sense of fun, um, that confidence in himself, that self-belief that maybe they're lacking as well. I mean, um, let's be honest, you know, if you've fallen at the uh, penultimate or the, or the final hurdle um, as often as his team have over the last, you know, four or five years, even with Razzie as well, like it wasn't just Johan, it was with Razzie as well, um, it can get into your head and having someone like him who, who genuinely believes he has the Midas touch and... and uh, can actually have big moments in games, uh, can score tries, can can make things happen. I I, I do think Zebo is a, is a really good signing for them, and um, you know his like speaking to Prendy, um, you know when when the big games come, he gets better, and um, and that's what Munster need. They need people who can step up um, and do something extraordinary, you know, at a key moment. And I I, I still think he has loads of that in him, and uh, I think. I think behind the scenes he could be, you know, really good in that environment and just making sure it's enjoyable and fun and and they, you know, they have confidence in what they do and also him being away and seeing how things have done in racing and, and being part of winning teams in racing can come back and just validate some of the stuff they're doing. It's being look at yeah, this this is right, you know, let's stick with it here and let's let's back the coaches here um, and also question and challenge if it's something that you know he's picked up from Finn Ross 
Russell or you know, or 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 from Shivansi or whatever, I, I just add to it. And I think he's at that stage of his career now where he was never shy, but I think he could be someone, you know, who's who's in that game management group and can actually add to their playbook and their attacking attacking shape in particular. Yeah, the fans are going to love it down in Munster and Tolman Park when they're back in um, and he's throwing up his Z celebration. Um, and so that's exciting. The Ulster fans, meanwhile, Birch would love to... They'd love to win a trophy. They'd love to see the project under Dan McFarland topped off with a bit of silverware. Um, obviously, a Pro 14 final this kind of long extended season. The Challenge Cup semi-final was really disappointing in the end, giving up that winning position and, and going down to Leicester. They'll probably reflect on this again with with quite a few regrets. Yeah, I think um, yeah, five competitions this year, uh, or maybe six. Um, it's... It's a big blow, and look at Le- losing to Leicester. You know, it, it's no, um, it's not a bl- should be a black mark, but realistically, I think you know Ulster. You know, given that they've turned things around under Dan, and um, given to being the the second uh, second best team for a long period in in to Leinster in the Pro Fourteen, um, you know, were competitive in the European Cup. I think they really should have went down to that competition at least got to a final, um, and. Uh, it's it's going to be it's going to be difficult for Dan. Dan's done a really good job in terms of obviously, you know, bringing the squad back over very dark days, um, finding and, and developing some some young talent. Obviously, that Kieran Campbell had found in, in the academy and given them their you know um, their time and space and, and letting them develop. Um, but I just wonder, yeah, I just I wonder now losing. Losing Marcel, uh, I, I think it's a massive punt on Nakawara. And, um, you know, if, he obviously could be great and he's going to be exciting to watch, but um, he's going to have to really refine his, his passion and drive for, uh, for playing again. And um, that's a big, big challenge. It's not, it's not, that's a really strange one in that we know he has massive ability. We know on his day he can be, you know, one of the best players in the world, but he's, He's, he's dropped off significantly and, you know, it's going to be the arm around the shoulder. It's going to be making him feel happy, making him feel part of the group that's going to get him back to, to the next level. Like, he's not someone that's, you know, sitting down and doing one-on-ones with on a video is going to make him significantly better. Doing tackle drills or, or or breakdown work is going to make him significantly better. He has everything. He has everything. He has his own unique way of doing a lot of it and that's what makes him special. Um, but it's getting him... Uh, I suppose driven, hungry, and um, uh, to go from to go from there. So it's uh, uh, yeah, I think it's a disappointing season. Challenge Cup, massive, massive mistake, um, and probably not knocking Leinster out of the of the of the Pro 14 that they lost to Munster as well. Just they could have managed that end, you know, game and last five or six games a bit better with no semi-finals. They had a chance to, to knock Leinster out before. Um, by the get to the final in their own right, they missed out on that. So probably when the, the pressure's been on them, they haven't really stood up. And um, that's probably the question Mark Dan is going to have going into this um, into this offseason is is the whole mental fragility. And, and um, I'm sure he's working on that. Because mm. Andy Wilson was on to us on Twitter. He said he thinks Ulster have gone backwards this year without some top-class signings. 
I can see them being the fourth Irish province next year. Um, pessimistic enough view there. And it has been a weird season, like we should say that, with, with all, all the stuff we're talking about. It's been crazy. So, I mean, we can't make sweeping definitive definitive judgments based on, on this one campaign. But it will be interesting to see how they bounce back. That was a, a really interesting point you made there about the mental side of it in those bigger contests. Like, they've been massive about playing with tempo, with high skill level. Dan Soper, obviously, who's going from skills coach to attack coach next season has made an impact in that regard. And when they play at that tempo against uh, against teams who they probably expect to beat, they look really good. In those bigger contests, though, Birch, they're, they're like often losing kind of consecutive moments where they compound an error with an error. And obviously we know Dan McFarland has real strength in that psychological side of the game. How do you, like from being in good Leinster sides, etc., how do you actually develop that aspect of it to actually start winning those big moments in in the in the massive games yeah there's some there's some things you can do like in the classroom there's some things you can do in groups there's some things you can do um individually you know with sports psychologists etc but probably it's a combination of those things plus trying to create those difficult situations those stressful situations at training and that's definitely something that Leinster um, do a lot and the reason they can do it a lot is because they have you know number 20s number 40 um, are all you know high level players who can really stretch the, the starting team and then the coach the coach can you know create situations but taking a man putting a man in the bin you know um, making it put more players in the breakdown etc so you can stress the the, the first choice 15 and, and try and get them comfortable you know making better decisions um, under pressure or, or finishing um, opportunities when, when they get them and limiting to those opportunities. So um, that's a challenge for Dan and, and, and Munster and Connacht in that they don't have that depth to, to make training, you know, as match-like as, as possible at, at certain times. Um, and Dan would be, I think he'd be looking to develop the, the leadership group. He'd be looking to develop um, their ability to problem solve and we saw it with Connacht a lot in really obvious examples like key moments in games where you know uh, Andy Friend would have been very disappointed with their shot selection that hasn't been as blatant with Ulster but that's something that you need to to, to work on and also you know educate the, the, your, your your decision makers um, on opportunities that aren't just in the 79 minutes or the 80 minutes but um, uh, and it's one one shot it's 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 those moments during the game where um, they probably need to be better and uh, yeah it's it's an ongoing process and unfortunately it takes time and um, like going back to Leinster I mean like Cheka Cheka tried from 2005 2006 2007 2008 um, there was always doubt about our mentality there was always Issues around us, you know, um, getting up for the big games or, or performing on the on the big days, and it took four years to um, probably overcome that. And, and to be honest, we we won the Magnus League in two thousand eight, uh, and that little bit of a trophy kind of gave us reassurance we're on the right track as well. And that can be that's why I think and it's done now. So you need to move on. But that Challenge Cup and and that Rainbow Cup for Munster and Ulster. Um, uh, could have been huge for them in, in terms of just just that little bit of difference in terms of belief. We've been in the final before, or we've closed it out. Um, I think I think that's something that there was an opportunity there for both those teams this end season, and they let it slip. 
and and obviously you got to you live with that and you got to still try and overcome it. But I do think more so than the the actual trophy itself, it's the impact it could have made next year when they go into big games. Mm, absolutely, be fascinating to see what they've learned and how they put that into action. Listen, there's loads of talent coming through in Ulster. It's it's been a bit of a conveyor belt in the back line in particular in recent years. James Hume, I thought was outstanding in nailing down that 13 shirt with Luke Marshall out injured. Stuart Moore showed plenty of glimpses at 12 as well of his playmaking ability, a kind of rounded midfield game. You had David McCann in the back row, um, who there's lots more to come from as he steps up onto a senior deal. And, and Ethan McElroy was another one. I thought he was really impressive, particularly on the left wing. Um, one of the guys I want to ask you about was Cormac Izzachukwu, who kind of came out of nowhere really into Irish rugby. He's obviously done his ACL, but we saw glimpses there, Birch, and I mean, we've talked a lot about power forwards in this podcast. Glimpses there of a guy who could be that late developer and make a big impact, particularly for you losing one of your main ball carriers in Kutsia. Yeah, he. Um, I was up there for um, for one of the games he played. And again, it's kind of like that Jamie Osborne. You just see a player who looks comfortable um, and has time um, and a little bit different than Jamie from him in that yeah, he just seems to have that extra bit of power in contact, um, both with him without the ball. So, yeah, he's somebody, really unfortunate, obviously, to pick up that injury, um, long-term injury. But um, I'd say Dan and uh, and Roddy Grant um, and now Soper, obviously, um, are really excited about about his potential. And, and like, it's it's like in the NFL or, or, or the NBA. If you, if you can find that athlete... Um, it was a cut above of the rest. Um, they'll go further, you know. It's not. It's 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 become. And even I, I read Scoffardi talking about it now, um, and he's talking about it from a size point of view. But um, you know, size obviously can help you win collisions. But there's other guys who aren't as big, who have that extra bit of um, of power, and you know, they can win you games. They can make things happen really easily. And sometimes they have crap technique it doesn't matter they just um they can physically dominate their their opponent and he looks like he has that and uh um yeah that's going to be his point of difference and um you know the coaches will teach him uh the rest of the stuff but i think he's a really exciting guy and yeah they have you know they have found um again kind of like munster talent that looked like you know and have shown every time they get pro minutes that they do seem to have that ability to step up which is uh, that's all it's about like, I don't think you need to have you know I, I said earlier on oh, Leinster A don't look to be on the same level they were previously or don't have that many guys in the other 20s you know that's not to be on end all it's the two or three players um, who can come through and become 100 cappers uh, for your they're the ones that you you know are going to make or break your academy success and uh, I think Ulster and Munster uh, do seem to have uh, well that's just still do we, we spoke about him earlier um, they seem to have those now which is brilliant mm. interesting to follow is Chuku and fingers crossed his, his recovery goes well they've given him a, a contract anyway and for a guy who wasn't even jumping in lineouts relatively recently uh, had never done it he's doing pretty well in the second row interesting to see what happens there the the other people who are le- leaving the province are, are Matt Faddis but I mean back three they're stocked with Stockdale, Addison, who can play midfield, Little, Balakoon, Gilroy, Aaron Sexton, who is lightning quick. And hopefully we see him um, get more minutes under his belt. He's been with the sevens recently. Albie Matheson gone at, at nine, Birch. 
started really strongly, even displaced Cooney in the in the final, but probably had a declining impact. And now they look for for Shanahan and, and young Nathan Doak to step up. Yeah, disappointed probably at how um, the back end of the season kind of finished for Manchester. First Cooney, he you know he refound his form and he nailed down being number one. And um, yeah, it, it didn't really have the impact. Like look at Madigan, you know, um, obviously was back up to Billy Burns. But you know, came off the bench twice against Edinburgh and and, and kicked winning points, etc. Matchroom has just struggled to have those moments. Part of that game against Edinburgh in the semi final, you know, where he came on and did have a big influence. So big pressure. Doak is obviously someone like we know a lot about Shanahan and and uh, um, and he's obviously you know back up. Uh, but it's it's um, it's Doak is probably the one. He's the the one that they're all talking about. He's the one that there's. There's huge hope for, and um, I'm excited to see him come true. Obviously, he's 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 been he's been a match squad already, but uh, yeah, he's the one that I've been for three or four years, and uh, um, yeah, I'm looking forward to to seeing him come true. Mm. Generally, the the chatter is pretty reliable, and and you can you can rely on it uh, in terms of potential. Finally, I just want to ask you about the the two prop slots. We've spoken a lot about front fives, and and. This will be an interesting one because Tom O'Toole is seen as a player of high potential by Ireland as well. Eric O'Sullivan has been pushing and pushing, but Marty Moore has been consistent this season and Jack McGrath will hopefully come back from his hip surgery uh, new and improved. That's been really plaguing him for a long time. Can you see the younger guys usurping the, the experienced heads there? Yeah, I think they will in time. I think they will. Um, Marty and Jack have had you know, really good careers already and are still... Are still probably Jack when he, with with a with a good hip is, is probably still ahead of Eric um, from that set piece point of view. But uh, the two lads definitely have have the potential. Um, they're both really mobile. Um, they both carry the ball well, and you know they've they're under like Dan is a is a very good scrum coach as well. So they're getting good tutelage there. And uh, yeah, I, I think by the end of next season, I could see both of those. Um, you know, being, being first choice for, for big games. Really fascinating to see what happens in, in Ulster next season. Connacht, I got the sense, Birch, um, last weekend, obviously season ended. There was almost a relief to have this weird campaign done uh, and look forward to hopefully better times next season. Where do they stand? You know, they were targeting playoffs and obviously the way it worked out with the format of the season, that wasn't realistic in the, in the Pro 14, just with a final they went out in pretty underwhelming fashion in the Challenge Cup to, to Leicester with some really weak defensive efforts in that game. Did you see development or or standing still this season from Connacht? Um, no, I, I saw development. Uh, um, I think they're always going to struggle for that consistency just because of their, their squad depth to, to back it up. But I, I think for them... You know they showed in Ravenhill, in in the RDS, and in 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 Toman Park, um, they can get up for those big games, and you know to win three times away from home in uh, in Irish Interprovincials is a is a is a big step up. I think Papali he's going to be key for them. I know, you know, there's huge talk about his discipline and, and etc. But I, I do think, I think we have to understand that he's come from very a very um, mixed pathway between. League union, league union, and predominantly league. So, uh, and also he wasn't in great shape physically when he came, um, and they've you know they've improved there. So, I think this was really a prep year for him, um, and we saw enough, obviously, in Kong saw enough to to recontract him, 
and he has that spark that I think can get Connacht into the game. Um, and that's always been a challenge for them when they come up against teams who are, you know, really physical um, and they can't play that kind of loose style and they get suffocated a little bit that they didn't, they didn't have a plan B. And I think they, I, I would say it's a plan B to go to the power game, but um, Papadie can change the defensive line um, and get that little dent that others then can um, get on the front foot. And, and so I think he's a key man for them. Um, and yeah, they've, they've like the, the guys they brought in from Munster have, have done well. Um, uh, you know, he's, he's uh, 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 Andy Friend has been very successful in terms of probably getting not really high-profile Australian players um, to come in and, and and have an impact. You know, so uh, Ben O'Donnell's obviously had a um, hasn't played as much as John Porch, but. Uh, I think he's exciting. I think you know you've seen enough in him to go. Yeah, he could be he could be really dangerous for them. Um, you know, Fitzgerald and Carty, you know, um, Blade has had a phenomenal season. Like he's clearly number one now. But you'd imagine with a with a good preseason, Marmion will come back, and he's a huge amount to offer. Uh, you know, you've got Delahunt and Heffernan. Uh, I think props. You know, I'd love to see the rumor that James Cronin is. Has been made an offer by them. I think. Um, I think they need help there. Um, and if they could get him, uh, if they could get him on on board, uh, and I think they're taking a, a young prop from Leinster um, as well. I think that they, yeah, they, they're not they're not many miles away. New coach. I think uh, obviously new coaching set up. I know D. Walt Senegal very well. I think he'll he'll give them a different voice than than Jimmy, obviously, but have a different way of looking at things. Um, you know, obviously his background is in, in the top fourteen. Uh can the Maldi was their big their big Achilles heel this year. Um and I know that's something D Wall's gonna try and address. Um and you know, if he can address that and make that uh, less porous, they're, they're not a million miles away. I, you know, I don't know like realistically, the only thing that's holding them back, I think, is is that maybe depth of squad when they go into a run of games and have a few suspensions or or injuries, or, or lose Bundy to Ireland, um, they can be, um, yeah, they can be sometimes a little bit stretched there. But that's a resource thing, more so than a, a coaching or, or, or you know, effort effort mm. side. Who's the young Leinster prop? You slipped that one in there. Uh, I told you earlier on on WhatsApp. Uh, what's it, Greg? Oh, Greg McGrath. Greg McGrath. Yeah, Greg McGrath. Wexford Wanderers. Rumor is he's going, he's going down there. Um, and a great opportunity for him. He's 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 a guy, a very strong guy, great attitude. Um, obviously, loads of, of growth in him, but I I still think they need they need that international class. And I call like Buckley for me is is good as internationals. You know, uh, in terms of the influence, yeah. Um, you know, week in week out, if they had a James Cronin, um, along with those two hookers I mentioned, um, you know, Finley a tighthead. Uh, they're not they're not a million miles away. They don't have the same depth as as Leinster or 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 Toulouse or whatever. But it, I think they're a little bit of light without without James Cronin. Mm. Like on that depth, we got a question from Brian Duffy, who also says he loves the pod. Thanks very much, Brian. He said Connacht have consi- have been consistently inconsistent this season. How can they address that? What's your What's your thoughts, Birch? Yeah, I, I think I think Andy Friend. I said I think the main reason is. Um, the main reason is the the depth, um, but yeah, it's, I think it's been tough for them. Like um, 
it's be tough for everybody, but for them even you have to take into account, you know, travel is a little bit harder to get from Galway to uh, to away games. Everything's a little bit little bit harder, and also younger players are generally a little bit more immature mentally. Um, and you know, also let's be honest, a lot of the players they take in uh, maybe have a little bit of baggage about having been let go or not succeeded in their own province and. It takes a little bit of time to to get them up to believing in themselves and um, you know being consistent as well. So uh, and that's the challenge. I mean, there's players who are in Connacht who maybe in terms of skill level or athleticism were as good as the players who got chosen ahead of them in the other province, but maybe there was just a little bit of mental fragility and and um, you know we have to take into account that that's they probably have more of those guys who maybe suffer a little bit from. From inconsistency or um, or doubts or whatever than the other provinces, so it's going to take Andy Friend and his coaches a, a little bit longer to to improve on that. So I think we have to be forgiving to them for that reason, plus uh, the youth side of it, um, and also then the the squad depth in terms of um, spend. You know, they don't spend as much on number forty five to fifty five as as everyone else because of less money. A mm. couple of new signings, interesting new signings with Leva Fafita coming in to replace Quinn Rue, heavy duty lock um, and Fafita's a Tongan international played at the World Cup in, in 2019. He's 31 so he's got a bit of experience and, and from what we know he can play a bit as well and and coming over from Grenoble obviously with, with Senegal there's a, a good relationship there. The other one is Shane Bolton the young South African guy who's soon to turn 21 and turns out he has a, an Irish passport Bernard. An interesting enough signing kind of out of the left field, a guy who, you know, he's not with one of those four major franchises at the moment, but there seems to be a bit of excitement in Connacht, certainly about his potential. What do you make of that signing? Yeah, look at it. It's, it's it was a interesting one given our our long debate about Sean O'Brien last week. And yeah. um, I don't think it's a position that they they needed to strengthen, you know, and and you know, I, I do agree with your argument that they already even without Sean O'Brien, they were they were well stocked um, in, in that position. I think, you know, I've done my research, my contacts in South Africa. Um, Bolton, yeah, he's a he's a bit of a wild card, to be honest. I think if he hadn't got an Irish passport, you know, there's no chance any of the provinces would would pick up on him. His CV isn't strong in terms of he didn't go to a, a big traditional school. Um, you know, he's made his impact in the Varsity Cup and he has done well there and there's been glimpses and, and you know, those little bits of, of glimpses have given the cheetahs uh, uh, cheetahs have been you know caught by that and and they're looking at him or were looking at him in terms of maybe somebody they contracted but um, it's a punt and it's a hard one to like I would say you know our pathway here um, would compare quite favourably to the Varsity Cup you know in, in, in South Africa even though there's lots of razzmatazz and it's you know there's 8,000 people at so many games and it's live and it's it's become a real books rugby there has become it's been really well marketed and, and you know, there is a excitement about it. Um, but I, the games I've watched, you know, um, I, I would say if you've played Irish and Twenties here in a Six Nations campaign or gone to a Junior World Cup, you know, that's probably a level above it. Um, so that's the that's the challenge. Uh, but look, at, he's he's obviously, he, he's Irish qualified. Um, he has shown potential. It's just not clear, like, how, how high his... his his level can get to, um, but yeah, it's. I wonder. I just the timing of it. I mean, I believe it was done a few months ago, so maybe it was done before Sean O'Brien kind of 
had that game time um, that made us more excited about him than than people were, you know, before he'd he'd really proven at Pro 14 yeah, level. Timing is everything. Bolton did play fullback in school, I think, and he, he can play on the wing as well. So interesting to see where he, he pans out. They do, Connacht do have actually a centre in the Ireland under-20 squad, who's just named Shane Jennings is in there, as is Cahill Ford, the out-half. And we got a question on on this topic, Birch, because um, Connor Dean is one of the kind of outgoing players. So Connor Fitzgerald and Carty are the two senior out-halves. And then you've got... Um, kind of forward as the the next one Colin Mulvihill was on asking any idea if there's a third choice out half signing or will Mac Hansen who's coming in from the Brumbies he's Irish qualified generally plays in the back three but cannot cover out half and also Tom Daly will they be used as backup he thinks Ford still seems a bit young what do you what do you make of that Birch um yeah I don't think I don't think there'll be a, a signing I think they'll they'll in um and um yeah, they'll they they'll use that signing from from Australia to to cover if if they need to. Probably Jack and Guardian Fitzgerald probably won't be away a lot. Um, doesn't look like that. So I think I think they're okay there. And again, look at ideal scenario. Yeah, they go out and sign a another ten who's who's proven. But um, Connacht aren't in that market at the moment because of of uh, budget constraints. So yeah, you got to pick your battles and. Um, you know, I think if there was extra funding and they were using that to try and get James Cronin, that's a better spend than a third 10 who's going to be, you know, behind Fitzgerald and Carter. Mm. Joe Glenn was on asking about their NIQ allocation, actually. He said, uh, completely unscientifically and having done no actual research, they appear to have a lot of NIQ players and adding more next season. Well, Dominic, Dominic Robertson-McCoy is Irish qualified. Jared Butler is Irish qualified now, isn't he? Um, so they have Papa Lee, O'Donnell, Porch, Mac Hansen's coming in Irish qualified, as is Shane Bolton, as, as we mentioned. So Fafita is kind of the fourth there, and there's a bit of understanding. The other part of his question, though, Birch, was is the stubbornly high proportion of players from outside Connacht becoming a cause for concern? He says va- very often the vast majority of their match day 23 is from outside the province. Do you think that's a concern? Yeah, absolutely. And it's, um, let's be honest, it's not going to change until the, the domestic rugby scene improves um you know in, in the west and i know you know eric elwood and um you know nigel carlin before him um and all the all the development officers are are putting huge work into i suppose grow the game at, at schools and, and clubs level club level down there but you know again it's a it's a performance sport and uh Connacht need to be competitive and win games you know in in europe or or in the pro 14 so they have to pick the best talent, um, and unfortunately, at the moment, it seems the best talent's coming from, you know, picking up players from other provinces, whether at a young enough age to go into the Connacht Academy or, or, or you know, the likes of Sammy Ireland, etc., who, who are already seasoned pros, and um, that's going that's a real long term um, uh, play, and you know, you're competing with obviously, you know, GA hurling. Um, in, in a lot of those provinces where there's high profile and well, well organized um, competition, so that's something that yeah, it, it's going to take time. But all the stuff they do on the at the pro end of it, and you know, the co- more competitive they are, the stadium development, um, training facility development, um, all that stuff in the community, that will all add to it. But it's just not a quick fix. It's not going to be overnight. Mm. Well, best luck to, to all four provinces. Long-term and short-term work to do next season. Before we go, Bert, a little bit of breaking news. Uh, I've just had a couple of messages on WhatsApp about it. Dan Kelly's been named in the England squad. 
ahead of their summer test, the Ireland Under-20 International. We kind of yeah. saw this coming, but it's disappointing nonetheless to, to lose a guy who was in the system um, and is now obviously thriving in Leicester Tigers. Yeah, that's the risk if you don't get them home um, after under-20s and they, they show they show potential. Uh, I believe Leinster were, uh, uh, you know, were interested in him coming back, but I think there was a push towards sevens. Um, I understand, and he wasn't keen to play sevens, and that's that's completely his uh, his choice. But the fact now, he, you know, it looks like he's been capped for England. Um, yeah, that's that's disappointing, really. But that's the, that's the risk with the NIQ. You know, the the English clubs will want them to play for England because they stay NIQ. Sorry, they stay EQP, um, and they're always you know have a strong allegiance to that. Even if they play Irish in their twenties, they um, you know I, I signed Ross Moriarty. Back to the Dragons, he played English on the twenties. It's, it's not it's just because you play for that country on the twenties level, they don't see it as being a commitment. You know, we know Billy Burns as well, so um, it's not an exact science. And I think if you don't get them home, I'm sorry, if you don't get them back to Ireland, uh, their home is England. Uh, if you don't get them back to Ireland quickly, that's the risk you run. And uh, the Dan Kelly one is a is an unfortunate one, but um, yeah, as I said, I, I I don't agree with the resources we're spending over there but it would be great to have Dan Kelly uh, as someone who is in our helping our provinces win on a weekly basis mm, fine player he's made a decision uh, and best of luck to him he's definitely got potential to, to go all the way um, as we mentioned there are a couple of games just before the provinces finish up Munster away to Zebra tomorrow and Leinster at home to the Dragons it'd be great to see some fans back at that adding to the summer vibes but Birch thanks a million for sticking around we we're a bit longer than usual but wanted to get into all four of the provinces so no appreciate it cheers to everyone for listening in and for all the questions We'll be back on Monday with Owen Toolan on the 42 Rugby Weekly Extra. If you want to sign up for that and plenty more with the 42 membership, you can go over to members.the42.ie. For everyone else, we're back next Thursday with this pod. So in the meantime, have a brilliant week. Cheers. I don't think we've met before, but I'm the referee on this field. Leinster could have me five mil a year. I wouldn't go. <laughs> <laughs> it is coming on! Rugby, Rugby Weekly. Little reverse pass. Oh, oh!